You're listening to Comedy Central. Where are you right? Like, what is this? What is this room behind you? I'm in my attic. Yes. This is the room uh, when my children were younger. Uh, this was their playroom. And so they did a lot of doodling, or their cousins did, because this is where they would come up with their cousins. And then they grew up and decided, you know what? I'm just going to stay in my room, quarantine or no quarantine. Uh, and you're going to go up into the attic. So that's what we've done. It's funny because, like, it's, it's beautiful now that I know it was your kids who did that, but it almost looks like the same graffiti that's on, like, the Confederate monuments around America. It looks like you let people practice the graffiti at your house before they go to the monuments so they can get it right. Antifa has infiltrated my attic. There's a problem here. Uh, I'm doing the best I can, but they are rabble-rousers. And uh, as you can see, uh, they have decided that uh, this wall must... This is the Berlin Wall, and they are going to take it down. What do, you, what, do you, what do you make of all that? Like, like, honestly, because, you know, like... I mean, this... Just like the Confederate monuments, like every statue coming down. I mean, it started with Confederate statues. It started with, you know, like, racist people from history. Then we started just seeing, you know, statues coming down of, like, people who fought for the, the, the Union and people who fought against slavery and, you know, like... What do you make of it? Are we just, should we just get rid of statues? What's going on? What you'll find is if you don't allow regular order to take down the statues that represent uh, the insurrection that tried to destroy this country and preserve the institution of slavery, if you make that impossible to do through pleading, uh, peaceful entreaty and all that, you're going to end up with a spasm. Look, people shouldn't have 400 years. The statues are not from the Confederate era. They're from the Jim Crow era. They're from right. the era when they right. built them to say, just so you know, I know uh, they let you go, but I just want to make sure everybody understands, like, we will still subjugate you. I hope that's, you know, and, and bring fear into your life. So, you know, because these statues are not, it, people say like you're erasing our history, which by the way, I don't remember the conservatives during the Iraq war when the Saddam Hussein statue fell in Baghdad. I, I don't recall Republicans at the time going, big mistake. You don't want to erase your history. That's your history. Leave it be. So, you know, the, 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 the plaque on the statue is not history. It doesn't say this motherfucker thought that he should fight a war to ensure uh, that he could have slaves on his plantation yeah. that he could still benefit and that and then we put it up to instill fear in the people that we kept as as slaves and and their uh, descendants so this should have been done in short order by a normal functioning society years ago you know you you say you say something interesting and that is a normal functioning society it feels like normal functioning and society are three words that are very quick quickly slipping away all over the world people are dealing with the same thing that is coronavirus but i honestly believe that america might be the only country where it's seen as a political issue as opposed to a pandemic do you know what i mean it seems like something you can choose to believe in or not or or where you stand politically defines whether, like, the legitimacy of the virus. Whereas in other places, they argue about how to deal with it, but the virus itself is not, like, a political issue. And there are arguments, listen, it's, we're not the only country that's arguing about how much to limit freedom of movement and right. having, you know, in Italy, you saw, you know, big demonstrations and, and protests 
against, uh, uh, you know, trying to confine people to a certain extent. But I think a reasonable view of it would be it's not being done for the sake of tyranny. We are actually facing something where tens of thousands of people are dying. And it's, you know, if you think about it, like, it's like preparing for a hurricane. You know, when, when a hurricane is coming, there's always those people that are like, government's full of shit. I'm not going to board up my windows. I'm, but this is a hurricane that if we prepare for it, the hurricane weakens. And that's that doesn't happen normally. But because in this country now we've set up parallel universes in, in, in the multiverse that uh, the right lives in, you know, this is an infringement. It, it, it kind of, the mask thing is what blows my mind because, you know, surgeons wear them in operating rooms and they don't wear them because, you know, they drive Volvos and sip chai tea and listen to NPR. Like, they wear them. Like, so I just want to say to people on the mask thing, like, great. Next time you're having an operation and the surgeon comes in with washed hands and a mask, just be like, don't be a pussy. Don't be some liberal puss. You take off that mask and you unwash your hands and you stick your paws in my open gaping wound. Because apparently sanitary conditions are a liberal myth. I knew you, you, you know, obviously, I mean, we knew each other when you were leaving The Daily Show. You were like, I'm getting into different things. I'm taking time with my family. I'm gonna do a movie here or there. It was interesting for me to see you do a political movie. You know, I was like, oh, John, aren't you just gonna get away from politics altogether? But then you made a movie that wasn't just about politics, but it was almost about the game that is beneath politics. I was shocked the first time I went to New Hampshire for the primaries. And, and I was sitting with, you know, like the aides of these, um, of these, of these politicians, or, and even the reporters, and they were like, oh yeah, they hang out. They, they chat, they go out for drinks afterwards. They, and I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? They hate each other on screen, and, and then we hate people on each other's behalf. And I see it happening in the country, but they are friends, and I didn't understand that concept. And it seems like that's what you're showing people in this movie, is that we don't realize that the WWE of politics is, is not as real as we think it is. And we're willing to die for The Undertaker, but The Undertaker is just a guy named Bill who goes home with Triple H and they carpool, you know what I mean? Right, let's not draw The Undertaker into this. First of all, he is a marvelous uh, wrestler and uh, was undefeated uh, at, uh, uh, you know, uh, WrestleMania. So let's not, until obviously, uh, Lesnar. <laughs> L- listen, listen, I didn't want to make a movie about the political moment. Right. I feel like that's The Daily Show. And that's what you guys do so well, is you do the weather. Every night you come out and you talk about the political moment and you bring the funny and the insight and the context to the political moment. I really wanted to think about it as the climate and the system and that idea that we have kind of created this complex of media and moneyed interests and politicians and they all work and enrich each other and there's very little accountability and it grows in you know those types of symbiotic structures don't dismantle themselves here's this system with its own inertia and energy and self-interest and incentives to entrench itself and to grow itself and it's really at odds with any relevant facts on the ground or or 
the system we have in place to elect people is almost working antithetically to the system we have in place to try and govern people. And we don't really have a robust governance system, but we've got an incredibly enriching and robust and corrupt and corrosive system of elections, of, of campaigns and of influence. So do you see a change? Do you see an end where you go like, oh no, th th it's something is gonna happen that shuts this all down. Where I'm optimistic is there are such talented, committed, energized people taking the reins of these really rotted out husks of institutions. And you get the sense that they're committed to rebuilding them in a manner that is going to create a sturdier foundation And, you know, so much of this country, what you learn from this is, and the pandemic exacerbates it, you know, what's essential? Well, it turns out all the people in this country who are essential to its functioning are the lowest paid. And how did we create, how do we, you know, for, for many years, we've sort of gone on this principle of, if we just take care of the investor class, we'll get a taste, you know, and I don't say we, because I'm, I'm now up there, but the pendulum has swung away from valuing work and we have to figure out, you know, and they always talk about the people that talk about trickle down are always about freedom and liberty. Well, what's more liberating than not having to worry about your health insurance being tied to your job or working really hard, but still having to use food stamps. Like that's not freedom. And we have to find a way to make those in this country who are essential to give them more liberty. And more liberty comes from being able to live a life that is built on granite and not on quicksand. I could talk to you forever, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us again. I hope everyone watches the movie. I hope you're having fun. I hope you're staying healthy. I hope you're loving your family and your kids uh, and enjoying yourself. And let me and, say this to you, may I have a moment? Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm so impressed by everything. Oh, I'll say it up here. I'm looking at your face, but I'll look into the camera. I'm just so impressed by everything that you guys are doing and the insights of the show and the hilarity of the show. And the, it, it's just, it's, it's magnificent. And I, I just wanted to tell you, just, I know what goes into making it. So I am impressed for the right reasons because of, of how hard I know that it is and how beautifully you're doing it. The only thing I would say is, do you have to do it so handsomely? That, the handsomeness, if I may, feels a little bit like a personal attack. The other stuff I, I love, but if you could do the show without dimples, I'm just saying. I will, I will pass these comments on to management and uh, we'll see what we can do. John Stewart, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I hope to see you again. Look after yourself. You look after yourself too. Take care of yourself. Thank you, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye how do I, now I don't even know how to hang up, so. Uh... The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app.
Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.